what does the average week look like for you? Sure, it may start with church on a Sunday morning, but by Monday morning, can any of us remember what the sermon was about? We spend so much of our lives doing so many things, transporting our kids around, spending too many hours in the office, trying to find time to spend with our spouse. But most of what we do related to our faith is crammed into about 80 minutes on a Sunday morning. Did you know that in a week, there are 10,080 minutes? If we're spending 80 of those related to our faith, what are we doing with the other 10,000? That's what this podcast is all about. Welcome to the 10,000 Podcast. This is Matt Wolf, and I'm here with Sawyer Trapp, and we are back with a new episode. I was out in California for the last couple of weeks, and I'm glad to be back. I'm glad to have you back. <laughs> it's good. Yeah, um, I missed it. So I'm so glad you guys are listening to this podcast. Um, those of you who have been coming up to me and telling me how, how you appreciate it, that you're listening to it on your commute or your workout, I love it. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you rate us on uh, whatever program you're using to listen to the podcast. Yeah, we are now we are now officially on all the platforms. We are on iTunes. We are on Spotify. We're on iHeartRadio. We're on Stitcher. So if you can't get it on one of those, let me know. I had another one, but we are on all of them for right now. If they create another one, we'll be on that one. So we're everywhere. That's right. We're everywhere content is. <laughs> okay, so yeah, I'm glad you guys are listening. Make sure you share us if you appreciate it, if you like it. And because today we are talking about horrible bosses. Oh yeah. Have you had one of those, Sawyer? I'm none that I would classify as like horrible, but I've, I've had some bad ones. I've had some bad yeah. ones too. I've had some yeah. horrible ones. And I think we all do at some point. And it's not just bosses. You know, we're, we're going to talk a little bit broader that, hey, this is more than just your boss, but this may be someone in power over you, a teacher, a principal, a administrator, someone in the government, you know, a parent, a parent, yeah. an IRS agent. You know, there's people that have authority over us and it can be tough and how to deal with that, how to deal with it with wisdom. Mm-hmm. But before we get into that topic, we actually got a question that I think is really good. Yeah, definitely. So it's a really good question. And I'll just go ahead and read it. This was sent in to me, and it, the question asked, How do you not hate or strongly dislike God when he allows so much bad in one's life? Hmm. Yeah. What do you think about that question? Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a hard question. Um, I, I think when we normally encounter this question... It's actually not someone just saying, not hate or strongly dislike, but how can we even believe in God? Yeah, I've gotten that a lot. How can I believe in God when he's allowed so much bad stuff to happen to me or to other people? Or, yeah, in the world or whatever that looks like. So it's interesting that this person doesn't voice the question, how can God exist, but how, how do you not hate God? Like, how do I not respond to God in hate or dislike or confusion Mm -hmm. and knowing who God is? And then seeing so much bad in in your life or in the world. And I think that's true for a lot of us. Yeah. What this person is struggling with, and I've seen this a lot, is not God's existence, Mm -hmm. but God's goodness. Yeah, that's right. Is he actually good? Right. It doesn't seem like it. Or if he's good, he's not good to me. Yeah. So that's that's the struggle. And and what's interesting is not only have I gotten this question a lot from people, when they're honest, Mm -hmm. a lot of people aren't honest, but when they are, they say, yeah, I I struggle with this. So at its core, is God good? Is God good to me? Does God like me? People have said this, like, yeah, it says God loves me, but does he like me? Mm -hmm. doesn't feel like it. 
And what I just want to say first to this person who asked the question, and anybody else struggling with this now or at some other point in their life, is that it is okay. Mm -hmm. It's okay to feel this way. In fact, I believe you join with a lot of saints throughout history. Case in point, David. David, right? You think, oh, David had it made. He had a great life. Yes, but he also had some of the hardest things in his life. Yeah. Some of the most difficult things. If you read some of the, the psalms he wrote, which are basically poems, songs that he wrote about how he was feeling. Mm -hmm. he, like Psalm 13 is a great example. He starts out by saying, how long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long is this going to take forever? And then he goes on to say, how long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Yeah. Now, in this particular song, we're not psalm. We're not told what was going on, but in David's life, he had advisors that turned against him and betrayed him. He had an own son that betrayed him, hated him, and tried to kill him, kicked him out of his house, and then slept with his concubines. That would be yeah. That would be a, a situation, crisis of faith situation. Yeah, pretty crazy stuff happened to David. He had his own mentor who he loved and served for years try to kill him multiple times. Mm. Um, he lost the relationship with his best friend, Jonathan, because Jonathan was the son of Saul, and yeah. he had to run for his life, live in a cave. I mean, his life got pretty bad. Yeah. And you can see why he hated God. Mm -hmm. He felt that hatred or that dislike. Maybe he, people struggle with the word hate, but that feeling of, God, do you even like me? Yeah. Um, I, I think it's pretty true. Uh, another one of the Psalms that David wrote is Psalm 22 which is another fascinating one because it starts out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you cut me off? Why have you turned your back on me, God? Do you know who else said that? Yeah, Jesus. Yeah. He said it on the cross. So even Jesus felt some of these things. Wow. And so you're not alone if you're feeling this, this right. way. And it's okay to have these feelings and to express them. Yeah, definitely. But what what about people that just feel that way for a long period of time. Like this is this is not just like a, a night or a week. Like this is a long sure, long period. Yeah, I mean, cuz sometimes this feeling can last years. Right. You know, it's hard to say, "Oh, you're allowed to feel that way for this long." Yeah. A lot of your friends will feel that way. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe even people you go to for spiritual counsel will be like, "Aren't you over this already?" <laughs> you know, it's been 5 years, right, since that happened. Uh haven't you figured out how to live with your situation? Mm -hmm. Um it's permanent now. Deal with it. So we have people that won't understand it. But I don't think there's a timeline on it. Hmm. However, I do think we shouldn't stay there. Right. So it's okay to be there, but it's not okay to stay there forever. Mm -hmm. And I think it takes us some work to help us get out of that place where we're feeling so angry at God, even hatred towards him. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely think so. Um, when, when I was thinking about, like, how, how do we... How do we move ourselves or how do we help people in our lives who are experiencing this hate, this strong dislike, this feeling of forgottenness and forsakenness? And I, I would just say first, we just want to encourage them or encourage yourself just to share that with God. Yep. God, God is not frightened or unaware of the feelings that you're feeling. And, and God is big enough and is loving enough and is comforting enough to not shy away from those feelings. God wants you to share your whole self, all of your feelings, even if it's hate, even if it's dislike, even if it's fear. God wants those. Yeah. So share them with him, whether that's through a journal, through prayer, whatever that looks like. But don't don't hide them. 
Because keeping things inside of you is just going to make things worse. For sure. Share them with God. Yeah, I think so. We sometimes think, oh, God can't handle how I'm feeling. Uh, No, he knows exactly how you're feeling. Um, I I gave a message last August. I don't know if you remember this, Sawyer. Um, It was based on Psalm 55, which Mm -hmm. contains the word, cast your cares on God. Right. You know, cast your anxiety, your burden, everything you're feeling. And that word cast can mean throw. So my big idea was, you know, God wants you to throw things. (laughs) Yeah. So... And that's like a violent picture, cast. You know, it's not like a nice little dropping drop a fishing pole into the <laughs> lake. You're like, no, no, throw things at God. Yeah. He can handle it. So I would encourage you maybe get alone in a room where nobody can hear <laughs> the room. Get in a silent room or wait till nobody's home or get in your car yeah. and yell at God. Hmm. Just let that emotion out. Uh, I did it one time. I've shared this story that I was on a run, Mm -hmm. and I was yelling at God. (laughs) I was angry, uh, and I was just crying out to God. And running was good because physically my whole body can be into it. I think that image of throwing things at God is a good image because we need to do that. Mm -hmm. For sure. But I think also we can't limit this experience to us and God. I think there's value and that there's solidarity and strength and actually sharing that with other people as well. Mm -hmm. Okay, but here's the tough thing, Sawyer. What about those people that are not helpful? And they say, aren't you over this yet? Uh, do we share it with them? What do you? I, I think we have to be really intentional about who we share it with. And we think about Job, like he had his three friends that come, and they just give him horrible advice. They yeah. say, forget God. God has forgotten about you. And he basically sends them away. And sometimes what we need to do is if people aren't being helpful, we say, maybe that's not the person we share it with or we do share it with them. And they just give us bad, awful advice or advice that actually pulls us away from God. Mm-hmm. We might need to pull away from that person in this situation. But but sharing it with people that actually care about us and know what we're going through. Because they're yes. going to get it. They empathize with the situation that they've been, that we're in right now. Yeah. And maybe choosing those people who you've seen come through that. I think we all have somebody in our lives where we've seen them just gone, go through this either huge traumatic health situation or um, just a wide variety of factors, depression, and now they're on the other side. Mm-hmm. And they can help walk us through that situation. Yeah. That's super helpful. That is really good. you got to be intentional. you got to be careful about who you choose, somebody who's been there before, but maybe someone who's been through it. Been through like it, if yeah. you're talking to somebody else who's in it, they'd be like, yeah, I hate God too. Let's be angry at God together. That's not <laughs> helpful. No. Yeah, find someone who can help you through it. And another thing I want to say is if you find those people, hold on to them. Yeah, absolutely. Those people should be the close friends that you have for the rest of your Mm -hmm. life. And you say, I love you. Can I text you at 3 a.m. when I need help? And if you just say that, they'll probably say, yeah, you can do that. Um, Another thing to keep in mind with these people is it's hard to be this kind of person. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Because God can handle our pain and anger. But when I'm in love with God and you're telling me how much you hate him, like that's hard. It's hard. Yeah. I get angry and, and like, hey, don't go that far. Mm-hmm. You know, let's clean out some of those expletives, okay? And come <laughs> back when you're a little bit in a better place. It's hard. So it, it almost does take – we have to have a little understanding for the other person too. They're mm-hmm. not going to get it right. They're not, and, and maybe they even need a little coaching themselves. So you say, <laughs> hey, I'm really angry. And no, this is just how I feel right now. Mm-hmm. I, I want to get over this, but can you just listen to me? Right. Just let me vent. Yeah. And they'll probably be like, I can do that. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to try to fix you. I'm not going to try to tell you you've got it wrong or yeah. you're going to hell. Yeah. I'm just going to listen. Yeah. Those people and those relationships are so valuable. And I, I think the third thing we can do is, is not give up sharing our time with God. 
I think it's really easy when we, we feel as God has forgotten us or is out to get us or we hate God to drop, to pull away, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. But I think one of the most important things that we we can do and we really should do is to push in. Yeah. God promises that if if we dwell with him, he's going to dwell with us. Hmm. And so as we take those steps, maybe make it a dare, make it a challenge. Yeah. <laughs> take 40 days, whatever that looks like, and say, you know what, for the next 40 days or for the next week or this Sunday, I'm really going to push into God. Yeah. I'm going to pray. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to take those active steps that I can take, even if I don't feel like it, mm-hmm. even if the heart's not there right? in that time, because I think God is going to meet us in those places. That's really good. Yeah. Um, like you said, I, James 4, 7? I don't know. Well, maybe I should look it up. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Yeah. Like that's a clear promise <laughs> in the scripture. Yeah. Yeah. Um, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Right. So we need to double down. Yeah. Spend time with God. Even if we don't want to go to church, mm-hmm. we don't want to sing those songs. We don't want to pray. We don't want to open the Bible. Sometimes those are the times that it's most important to do it. Absolutely. Um, I think C.S. Lewis said, you've got to dig troughs in the drought. Mm. It doesn't make sense. It's not raining. Why would we need a trough? Why would I need to try to catch water right now for yeah. my crops? Um, but you dig it in the drought, so when the rain comes, you're ready. You're ready. So you just keep going back to it. Um, I think that's really important. Whenever I have a couple come into me, you know, or an individual saying, "I'm not in love with my spouse anymore. Mm. They're not in yeah. love with me. We're out of love." Well, that's where that idea of the love dare came from. Yeah, which is a good book. Mm-hmm. Maybe not as great of a movie. I haven't I, seen it. <laughs> I wouldn't necessarily recommend the movie. It comes off as a little cheesy, but the book, no, it has some good principles. For great sure. principles because yeah. it's like just do it for 40 days. Act like you love the person mm-hmm. because love is a verb. Yeah, it's an action. It, it, it requires can be an action doing. sometimes before you feel it. Mm-hmm. And we have been you know, accustomed in our culture to think you have to feel it before you do it. Right. Sometimes you need to do it before you feel it. Mm. And the same is true with God, too, sometimes. So if you're in the place where you hate or strongly dislike God, know that it's okay to be there, but not to stay there. And then three things you can do to get out of that is to share it with God, to share it with others, and really double down and spend time with God. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for sending your question. I think it's not only going to be valuable for us to talk about here, but I think it's really going to pay dividends in people's lives because yep. this is, this isn't something that one person faces. This is something that all of us face at one point in our life. So definitely. So yeah, if you do have a question, go ahead and email us. That's the best way to get it in. Send it to Sawyer S trap. That's trap with two P's, two P's S T R A P P at stapletonchurch.com. We'll look forward to it and we'll get to that in podcasts in the future. So that was our question that we got in. Now we're going to go back to our uh, examination of Ecclesiastes, some of these proverbs that Solomon had, these nuggets of truth. Mm -hmm. We're going to dig for some gold in these proverbs. And today we're looking at a section of the proverbs in Ecclesiastes chapter 10. We're going to look at verses 1 to 7 because they're, they're talking about wisdom and foolishness again. But really, one of the overarching themes here is about dealing with the horrible bosses we have That's right. in our lives. So it starts off like this in verse 1. It says, As dead flies give perfume a bad smell, so a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. A little folly. I w- when, I, when I read this verse, I couldn't help but think about 
in college, I, I roomed with two of my two of my friends, but one of my friends, bless his heart, and that, that's, what we, that's, that's what we do. I've been influenced by my uh, wife, who's from Texas, but what he would do is he would struggle to take out the trash, right? And then it would start to smell. There would be food in there, you know, whatever, right? And instead of taking, like, the extra minute or two to actually take out the trash, he would just spray for breeze throughout the whole apartment. So it no longer would stink, but the trash wouldn't be taken out, right? Yeah. So it's like dead flies in perfume. This little itty-bitty fly, even if you have a whole jar of perfume, it's going to ruin it. And Febreze doesn't really cover trash. It covers it for about an hour or two, and then it actually smells worse. Yeah, I hate that smell. Yes. It Ugh. smells awful. Ugh. It smells worse. Yes, yeah. it really does. Yeah, so he's saying that, you know, a little tiny bit of folly, which is foolishness, mm-hmm. being an idiot, stupid, yeah. just a little bit of that can fully outweigh wisdom and honor. Mm-hmm. A little bit of stupidity makes your wisdom just ruins it. Right. It ruins it. I was even thinking just in the news this past week, there was the story of the student, the high school student who had gotten accepted to Harvard. Oh, yeah. Really excited mm-hmm. about getting into Harvard. And then the school rescinded his admission to Harvard. Why? Because he had posted some racist comments when he was 16. On, on Twitter, right? On Twitter, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he had tweeted it. And people think there's a political thing here, but they were just looking and say, hey, look, at you have this foolishness in your life using the N-word on Twitter. Mm-hmm. That's not okay. Right. We're going to rescind your admission. And it's a, like a big deal. Oh, yeah. Because that little bit of foolishness from when he was a teenager mm-hmm. outweighs however smart he is. He's got to be smart to get into Harvard. Yeah, definitely. Um, his test scores, it, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And this happens again and again and again, just that little bit of stupid that – that, that decision to have that extra drink before you drive home, mm-hmm. that thing that you post on social media, it can ruin everything in your life. A little bit of foolishness. Right. It's like the fly in the ointment. That's <laughs> usually, you know, that's where this comes yeah, from. Yeah, exactly. That concept. The fly in the ointment, the fly in the perfume. Um, I even remember this, Sawyer, when I was in the process of hiring you. Oh, really? Okay. Yes. <laughs> Hopefully it's not about me. Uh, no, it's, okay. it's not about you, thank goodness. Okay. Um, one of the first things I did when I got resumes in, there were some great resumes, and I mm-hmm. thought, okay, I'm going to look at this person on Facebook. <laughs> Simple thing, right? Yeah. Everybody does it now. I'm just curious. Yeah. And there were two or three people that I immediately ruled out because of their Facebook mm. posts. Um, they were, they were, seemed like very bright people, good resumes, good yeah. experience, but yet immediately I could tell that they were foolish because of the things they posted online. Mm, yeah. Got to be careful. Yeah. And, and every employer is checking that nowadays. It's not, it's not something that just happens here at the church. It's something that is <laughs> happening. Um, so yeah, just that little bit of folly. So think before you post. Yeah. And maybe, yeah, no, you, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and maybe take the time, you know, look, look what you have on your social media profile and, and evaluate that. You may need to delete some stuff. But I, I think it, it doesn't just limit to social media. It's maybe that brief word that you said to another person that you just think it was a throwaway statement, but it actually has dramatically changed your relationship. It yep. can be those small, little, insignificant things. Yep. Solomon is reminding us kind of to be on our guard at all times because it only takes that one misstep to ruin a lot of good stuff. That's very true. Yeah. That's very true. And he goes on in verse 2. To say the heart of the wise inclines to the right, but the heart of the fool to the left. 
you know, I don't think the direction is too important here. What he's basically saying is that there's a way of wisdom and there's a way of foolishness. Mm -hmm. There's a way of doing things right and a way of doing things wrong. It's not like going right is the direction you're supposed to go. (laughs) That's not what it's about. Um, And he goes on to write in verse 3, Even as fools walk along the road, they lack sense. So they're going down the left road, the Mm -hmm. fools. So it says... Um, they lack sense and show everyone how stupid they are. <laughs> everyone. And that's that's the truth. They, that's, they have that fly in their ointment, or more than just a fly if they're a really foolish person. Yeah. Everyone can see how stupid you are a mile away. Yeah. So it's important to learn, not just as we talked in one of our other episodes, to do what's right or wrong, mm-hmm. but to do what's wise. Right. You've got to be a wise person. And that other people are always watching. Yeah. I think we forget that. Whether it's on social media or actually face-to-face, people are watching. Yeah. It's amazing how people, yeah, we live in Denver, a pretty big city, but people see you. <laughs> and they know you. And they recognize you. Even if you don't see them, they're there watching you That's all right. the time. That's right. And so in verse 4, he takes a little bit of a, of a pivot, but focusing back in on the p- people who are in positions of authority over us. It starts like this. It says, if a ruler... Ruler's anger rises against you. Do not leave your post, for calmness can lay great offenses to rest. Mm-hmm. Calmness can lay great offenses. And so we can always see this, like this ruler coming to the, the guard, standing guard, and he's just mad. He's irate. He did something wrong. There's, there's some issue, and he just lays it on him. He just lays it on him. So even in the midst of this trying and difficult situation solomon calls us to calmness yep yeah don't don't leave your post don't go a wall if you're a soldier there in right. what's interesting in verse four it doesn't even say whether the soldier there did anything wrong or not he may have he may not have right it, it, sometimes bosses are just angry <laughs> something's going on with them their boss is hard on them you know <laughs> Um, and and I, I do think the most helpful way that we can look at these passages in the scripture about rulers is for us often bosses. Right. right. Um, yes, it could be a pol- politician, a teacher, an administrator, someone over you. It could be the president. Mm-hmm. You know, e- anybody that has a position of power over you, an IRS agent. But what we need to realize, like you said, is calmness. Yeah. Calmness is really important. So have you ever had an angry boss? Yeah, I, I, I have. But you, you were telling me earlier about a one that was, like, beats mine. That was, like, really he was, angry. He was pretty bad. You know, he was one of those horrible horrible bosses. And much more than, like, Michael Scott, who's just incompetent, right, <laughs> in the office. Or, like, Bill Lumbar from uh, The Office Space. Yeah. I think that's his name. Yeah. I need another, that TPS report on my desk <laughs> by Monday. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, that those are just annoying or incompetent. But right. I had a boss that was just angry. Mm-hmm. He was bitter and angry about some things that had happened in his life, like real hard stuff. Yeah. Going back to our question. Yeah. Like that. yeah. Uh, eventually, I, I, you know, got it out of him. So I was 18. Okay. Right after my freshman year of college, mm-hmm. and I was working for this guy. He was a contractor. And he always complained about how he <laughs> couldn't find any good help these days. And it became clear to me why he couldn't find good help. And it wasn't because of the help. Right. He was an angry man. Okay. And he would yell and he would use expletives. And you never could get things right. And you had to run faster. I was the gopher, of course, my first summer when I started out. 
Um, but I remember he had to keep hiring people and then they would either quit or he would fire him. And there was one day on the job site and we had driven there together an hour outside of town. Mm -hmm. And I was 18. I think we had two other 15 or 16 year olds working there and they messed up. They did something wrong and he just yelled at them, was berating them and then fired them on the spot and told them (laughs) to go sit in the corner for the rest of the workday. No, like... And they were fired, and they had to just sit there until we were done. Oh my so gosh. it was just he and I left on this work crew, and he was still yelling and angry. But I just sat there, and I did what I was told. <laughs> I was calm. Yeah. And it's it sucked for a while because I was the only employee left yeah, other definitely. than his own son. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. We didn't have a choice to leave. We didn't probably. have a choice to leave. And yeah. so I was just calm. I kept my job. Mm-hmm. Until I could find a new thing, <laughs> and then I moved on. There you go. And so you, you had some wisdom. You said, maybe this isn't the right situation for me. But um, Looking back, I handled it correctly. I was just quiet. Yeah. You know, I nodded in agreement when mm-hmm. he said stuff. I did what he asked and just thought, okay, I don't want to lose my job. I need the money right now yeah. until I can find something different. That's right. When I think of people yelling at me, it often comes to a retail setting. Uh, besides working at the church, I also work at World Market. And overall, our customers are great. They're really good. But we do have those people every once in a while, whether it's they just you know had something broken or we had something out of stock, and they just choose to lay it on us, right? Yep. And often it's not even about that issue. They have other stuff going on, like your boss or right. whatever. But we don't, we don't know that. But yeah. And, and what they tell us to do is just to remain calm, is that even yep. if we can do nothing about solving the problem, just remaining calm remaining consistent and listening to that person can actually diffuse that person. Oh yeah. And so calmness in the midst of that anger is so, so important, whether it's with a boss or with someone that you're dealing with at work or your family, whatever situation, calmness is so important. It it definitely is. And that's, that's the aspect of wisdom there. Mm -hmm. And, and Solomon builds on that proverb in verses five through seven. In, in these verses, he says, there is an evil I have seen under the sun the sort of error that arises from a ruler. So once again, somebody who's in that position of authority. Verse 6, fools are put in many high positions while the rich occupy the low ones. I have seen slaves on horseback while princes go on foot like slaves. Hmm. It's kind of interesting there. He says basically like some things are out of order. And in his world, in his day and age, there were slaves and there were princes, there were rich people and poor people. And he said, but sometimes it just didn't even make sense. Mm-hmm. Who was in charge? Why was this person at the top of the bureaucracy? Why was this person the boss or the president or whatever it is? It doesn't make sense. Right. You know, how did Michael Scott get in his position at Dunder Mifflin? <laughs> like, it blows your mind. How did that happen? Um, but... It happens. It happens. And, those and it doesn't just happen over. in the office. It happens in real life. Too. Oh, yeah. yeah. For sure. It happens in real life all the time. I, I can think of a time when I had a teacher in high school, and she was a great person, mm-hmm. but did not know the subject matter at all. Mm. Didn't understand it. Mm-hmm. Couldn't understand it. I remember the only time I ever learned anything in the class was when a student in the class who had read the book came up front and taught. Oh, my god! I said, oh, now it makes sense. <laughs> but... This teacher had her position because her husband was the department chair. Ah, I see. And she may have been great at other subjects, but for that particular subject, she didn't know it. Yeah, I had a professor like that in college who was fairly old. They were tenured. They were, I think, a couple years from retirement. And so we would go to that class, and 
he would talk, but it wouldn't be the subject matter. The tests were made by the overall department. And so he didn't teach what was on the test. So we basically had to teach ourselves the subject. Yeah. So And you're wondering, why is this professor tenured? Right. Exactly. Tenured. Yeah. But that's how the world is. That's how it happens sometimes. I, I think the issue is, and I think what Solomon is, is getting at, is that our wisdom isn't equal to our position. Mm. It's just because we're in a position of power, maybe we've been there a while, we have experience overall, doesn't translate into wisdom. Yep. That's very true. Mm-hmm. So, how do we deal with it? Yeah, what if it happens? It's part of the world. That's what Solomon, he's just observing the world. Mm -hmm. People in power and authority don't necessarily belong there, but they are there. Mm -hmm. So, how do you deal with it? Well, that first one is, like he said in verse 4, stay calm. Don't get exasperated. Mm -hmm. This is going to happen. You're going to have horrible bosses. It's the way of the world. (laughs) Just stay calm through it. Don't be exasperated. Don't think like you're... Think that your life is the worst life that ever could happen right. because of how bad your boss is. Well, just look online for memes because everyone has a horrible boss, <laughs> right? That's right. Yeah, uh, yeah. So that, that's the first thing. Just don't get exasperated. Yeah. So it, I think it's more than just not getting calm, staying calm. But I think it's actually, even though you're not in a position of authority, you can actually choose to lead up. I don't know if this is a familiar you guys are familiar with, but. Even though you're not the person making the final decision, you can still have influences over that decision. Um, there's a book kind of in church world that we read during seminary called Leading from the Second Chair. And so even though you're not the lead pastor, you're like a student pastor or something like that in the situation that I'm in, you can still make choices and be intentional about leading up. Yeah. Now, Matt, you're by no means a horrible boss. <laughs> Don't worry about that. Are you just saying this for the record? No, I'm not just saying this for the record. <laughs> But even in the midst of that, um, two things that really stuck out to me in that book is that people leading from the second chair, from that second position, or not from the top, have to have humility and stability. So humility. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you're not, you're not the end all. You're not the, the person making the final decisions. You may not have power, but you do have power over something. So remain humble. Remain humble, but also remain consistent. Remain stable. Be that person that uh, the person leading can bounce ideas off of. Yeah. Work hard, be consistent, even if your boss is horrible. And you can lead in that way. Mm-hmm. And then also using questioning to your advantage. Mm-hmm. Not as a means of like being accusatory, but questioning of, have you ever thought of doing it this way? Versus saying, I think you should do it this way. Mm-hmm. Just that subtle change, that subtle switch in attitude can make, really pay dividends, even if your boss is not the best person for the job. Don't so you, leading up. Don't you think it's amazing, the power of a question? Absolutely. That is a question. Right well done. Well done. Well done. Yeah, the, the power of a question is great. Yeah, so lead up. I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you're really great at that, Sawyer. Oh, um, thank you. Yeah, as you're talking, I'm like, oh, you do all those things. I try to. Yeah, I you're, try to. you're great. Uh, so uh, a third thing that I would encourage is to move on wisely. Mm. There comes a point where you realize I can't deal with this boss anymore. Right. It's bad for my mental health, my physical health, yeah. bad for my family. Like, this is not working mm-hmm. out. So move on wisely. You know, try to put out some feelers, get another position in place before you just quit and get out of there. Yeah. Um, so move on in a wise manner. But mm-hmm. sometimes you, you can't make it work. Yeah. You're trying to lead up, and the organization is just getting worse and worse and worse. It's time to get out of there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think finally, if you are in a position of authority over other people, just wield that position well. Acknowledge that you, that just because you're in that position, 
we all get put in situations and positions that we may not have the wisdom for. Hmm. So be intentional about learning and also be humble with your position. Yeah. So yeah. if you're in position, yeah, lead well and acknowledge that you, you may not have all the answers. Right. That, that's really good. Mm-hmm. That's really good to remember. So, so that we don't become the horrible bosses that we were just railing against. That's right. <laughs> it's really hard to rail against a horrible boss when you are a horrible boss. Yes. Um, and sadly, that kind of is the chain of the corporate ladder. That's right. <laughs> well, I hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode of the 10,000 podcast. We hope that we've been able to bring in God, bring in faith into those 10,000 minutes. Right. The rest of our life, not just the 80 minutes on Sunday morning. And for us, a lot of times work, the, the people that are bosses over us, our managers, yeah, that's, people in authority, that's a lot of life. That's a lot of our minutes. Dealing with those people. Yeah. So how do we deal with them wisely? I hope we were able to help you with that. Um, make sure that you subscribe, that you listen, that you like. We will talk with you again next week. Have a good one. Oh.